Hi, this is the official podcast of the WCD. There's a World Congress of Dermatology which will be held next in Singapore in 2023. I am Dr. Etienne Wang from the National Skin Centre of Singapore and I will be your host for this podcast. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Casts and wherever else you get your podcasts. Registration and abstract submission for the WCD 2023 are open, so please check out our website for more information. In this podcast, I speak with dermatologists and skin researchers from all over the world to talk about all things dermatology. Today, Shashin is back with another derm topic for discussion. Hi, Shashin. How are you doing? Hi, Dr. Jin. I'm doing very well. Thank you. And what are we discussing today? Well, today, uh, I thought we'd talk about something that hits very close to home, and that's a new agent that actually targets um, one of the itch pathways. And it's, it's a late-breaking poster that was presented by Aslan Pharmaceuticals. So um, a lot of our patients with eczema, for example, the fact that itch is so severe in these cases, it really is debilitating for them. It affects their quality of life, affects their sleep. Um, and that's something we ask about at each follow-up. So I thought we'd talk about this uh, recent paper from Aslan, a poster, in fact, that they presented um, for at the Society for Investigative Dermatology's annual meeting. So Aslan Pharmaceuticals is based in Singapore, so that's very exciting for us and very happy to see that they presented this at SID. And of course, itch, um, I think only in the last maybe decade or so, have we found many new drugs that uh, target itch um, other than antihistamines. Can you tell us a bit, a, a bit more about this paper? Exactly. So just to give you a bit of background, I mean, chronic itch is a hallmark and a major symptom of atopic dermatitis and some of the other type 2 driven inflammatory skin diseases. Now, in atopic dermatitis specifically, they've postulated that itch signaling is exacerbated by some pro-inflammatory cytokines, which then cause an immune response that disrupts the barrier. So in this study by Aslan, they showed that uh, IL-13 and IL-4 actually act as neuronal enhancers to amplify the itch pathways through this IL-13 R-alpha-1 subunit of this type 2 receptor. And that's where their inhibitor eblasicumab comes into play. Wow, that's that's very interesting. Yes, most of our atopic dermatitis patients usually say that antihistamines don't work. There must be some other pathways that is bothering them. How does this drug compare to, let's say, what's on the market right now, for example, dupilumab? Right, so uh, we all know that dupilumab does target the IL-4 and 13 uh, in combination. So um, the, this study was actually an uh, ex vivo study, which we, they did in humal dorsal ganglia, uh, root ganglia neurons, which were pre-treated with the, their drug, eplacicumab. And then they used eplacicumab and then IL-4 alone and IL-13 alone, and then a combination of IL-4 and 13. They captured neuronal responses by live cell calcium imaging. The new drug, eplacicumab, actually significantly reduced cytokine-enhanced uh, neuronal responses to IL-4 and 13-driven itch by more than 40%. This was compared to control conditions. Statistically significant. And this actually suggests that their unique mechanism of blocking the IL-13 RL-4-1 could provide a molecular basis for significantly reducing itch in patients with moderate to severe atopic dermatitis. This was based on phase 1b clinical trials. And what's interesting is it's actually a potential first-in-class monoclonal antibody targeting the IL-13 receptor. Yes, uh, and that's developed in Singapore. Yes, so in September 2021, it's all fairly recent, was when Aslan announced positive results from their Phase 1b uh, multiple ascending dose study. So that was it established proof of concept. 
Um, and in Jam this year, they initiated uh, the Trek AD Phase 2B trial, which is looking at the, the safety and efficacy of Eblisikimab in moderate to severe AD patients. That's very encouraging and really exciting to see how, whether this drug can be a new blockbuster drug from Singapore. But you know, a lot of our patients are probably asking right now, how are they going to get to this drug? I mean, it's probably still many years away from being used in patients regularly. What can we do for our patients now um, to target itch in chronic atopic dermatitis? Right. One thing I found very helpful seeing patients in the clinic was patient education. Um, the initial visit where we actually talked to them about the itch scratch cycle and how um, educating them that actually scratching does make the entire cycle worse, uh, teaching them methods of coping. I know in our severe eczema clinic, for example, uh, at SGH, we have even a psychologist who the patients can see uh, to teach them coping mechanisms uh, to target the itch specifically. But I think education itself is a huge step because once the patient knows what is, what's causing their itch and how they can cope with it, uh, it helps them get more empowered to controlling the edge. Also right now, the JAK inhibitors that we started using for some inflammatory skin conditions also um, work quite well for itch as well. So things like your abrocitinib um, and um, baricitinib. Absolutely. And it's amazing to see what a big difference it makes in these patients' quality of life. Okay, Shashin. Well, that, that was very thought-provoking and I think very encouraging to see um, the future of controlling atopic dermatitis and chronic itch in Singapore and around the world. Thank you. Thank you very much. And now I'm very pleased to welcome Professor Tan Swat Hoon to the podcast. I'm at the end of my tour of heads of dermatology departments in Singapore. And now Prof Tan is, of course, ending off this season. Uh, Prof Tan is a currently the director of the National Skin Centre of Singapore and is a senior consultant dermatologist and dermatopathologist. She's an adjunct professor with the Lee Kong Chin School of Medicine at NTU and also holds academic appointments at the Yong Lulin School of Medicine, National University of Singapore and Duke NUS Graduate Medical School. Her areas of research and subspecialty are cutaneous lymphoma and skin cancer. Welcome, Prof Tan, to the podcast. Hi, Yitian. <laughs> well, very pleased to be able to talk to you. Um, I think um, there's a theme over this season of the podcast. I've been speaking to various department heads of um, dermatology departments in Singapore, and we've been discussing about how the pandemic has affected our practice. NSC has definitely just emerged from a very cha challenging period. Uh, what lessons do you think we have learned during this pandemic? I think in the beginning, you know, in uh, 2020, when the pandemic started, a lot of it was just learning, you know, while we have to respond to the pandemic situation, we ha also had to learn how to, you know, carry out our usual clinical services, you know, so that everything, you know, sort of allows us to continue yeah, to provide the services in a safe manner. So it was a lot of learning, you know, on the job itself. Because the response, of course, you know, was not the same as what we went through, you know, during the, the SARS in 2013, you know, and, and this is a completely, you know, new virus. But we had a lot of guidance and advisories from, you know, the Ministry of Health, so that, that helps. The first thing that we tried, you know, which was, you know, going on the two-team system, you know, that was really, you oh, know, yeah. not necessary <laughs> at all. And it was also not uh, efficient in terms of getting people to yeah. still continue to provide a service because, you know, that can't grind to a halt, you know, in NSC. I mean, there's still patients who yeah. need to, to come, you know. Uh, of course, the non-essential you know, sort of essential, uh, work, we, we could cut down. 
but there are still some patients who, who need to continue their, their treatment here in National Skin Centre. So I think a big part of it was learning how to cope with the pandemic, you know, uh, while still, you know, continuing to provide essential uh, services. Yeah, I think um, not only NSE, but probably a lot of organisations have become a lot more nimble during this pandemic, uh, responding to very rapidly changing kind of situations and regulations. Is that is that something that is going to be carried on? Well, we have been learning, right, on, uh, for the last two years, yeah. you know, and, and every, you know, a few weeks, you know, and sometimes it's in terms of days, you, you get new uh, advisory. I think uh, it looks like we are seeing the light at the end of the tunnel now and that we're coming out of this pandemic in a better way. We are certainly learning a lot about how we should respond. And right now, the good thing is that uh, we are able to provide services, you know, to as close to business as usual level. But, you know, certain things I, I feel, you know, have changed for the long haul. You know, for instance, you know, all our teaching sessions and, and so on that we have been hosting pre-pandemic times. And, and then during the pandemic period, we had to go to a lot of uh, online meetings and Zoom meetings and so on. Well, that, that has changed forever, I think, you know, because uh, people have learned that, you know, they can do a lot of things offline and they can Zoom, you know, while they are meeting their various commitments elsewhere, you know, be it in another hospital or, you know, from home. I think, you know, it will be difficult to, to expect people to, you know, so, sort of come back, you know, to uh, having physical meetings for now. Yeah, it may take a bit of uh, mm -hmm. time to encourage people, you know, to come together again. I think like a lot of officers that are trying to bring people back to the office, we need to give them a reason to come back. So for example, the CPCs, we can probably start having patients yeah. again at some point. So we can actually see that, you know, so, uh, CPCs are clinical pathological conferences where we talk about difficult cases and something like that. I think I did mention to you uh, um, during this week's CPC that I don't really recognize any of the <laughs> residents or the, or the MOs because I see everyone through masks and it's very hard to get to know people that way and I think that's something that really has yeah, affected so us I think this, this is pandemic. something we, we really have to learn you know people who have joined us during the pandemic you know half the time we do not know who they are or what they look like I think there's no running from the fact that we need people to people interactions so certainly for our medical staff and you know for things to carry on in an optimal way we, we have to bring people back together again yes having patience is, is one thing maybe having prizes I don't know you know we can have quizzes and I, I'm not sure maybe you can give me some ideas you know how we can get people to come back yeah. <laughs> you know the companies the IT companies they're doing all they can right to make it fun you know for their mm -hmm. staff support, you know to, yep. to come back to work and uh, that's something that you know everyone is starting to grapple with right now. Well, that seeks us into our next topic, actually, and that's the National Skin Centre new building. Maybe when a new building is, is ready, people will definitely want to come and have meetings there. Can you tell us a bit more about the new building, which will be, I think, ready next year? Well, for one, we will have more than double our space, you know, what we have now. So from a five-storey building, we are going to have a 10-storey building. We can definitely look forward to more clinical space. And apart from the clinical areas, you know, uh, where you can provide services for various levels of uh, patient care, you know, you have subspecialty clinics as well. 
And we will also have some new facilities, what uh, we have named, you know, the uh, Skin Allergy and Therapy Centre. It will be sort of an ambulatory centre where we can start our IV infusion services. Patients uh, who may need sort of biologics, they would not need to be admitted to the ward, you know, anymore for, for such treatment. And in the same facility, you know, this is where our phototherapy unit is going to be, and that's going to be vastly expanded as well. So uh, having both full-body phototherapy as well as targeted phototherapy. We will have uh, also research uh, clinics that will be very close to our clinical areas, and that will be something quite new as well uh, in the research clinics where skin imaging uh, equipment will be located very close you know, to the clinical areas where you know, the equipment may be used either you know, as part of the clinical management or for research purposes. So I, I think uh, there are many things to look forward to and also you know, apart from clinical areas, the training areas and so on will also be vastly expanded. Pharmacy will also be you know, uh, quite a, a big area. So overall, for most of the areas, we will increase by you know, two or three times more than what we have uh, currently. Mm, that's very exciting. Yeah. And it also coincides with next year's WCD. Do you think we'll be opening up NSC for tours? <laughs> well, that's provided the you know, National Skin Centre. The new building is open you know, before that. I mean, for now, uh -huh. I can only say that uh, it is slated to be open in the second half of the 2023. So the exact date, we are not too sure yet. You know, at the moment, we are you know, keeping a very close watch on the progress. Yeah, the last two years, you know, we've seen quite a significant uh, delay of the uh, building construction and, you know, it's mainly uh, due to, you know, construction manpower uh, crunch and uh, that is something, you know, not within our influence or, or control. Mm, okay, yeah, and so the WCD and the new building also coincides with 50 years of dermatology in Singapore, which I think is this year. Um, what do you think the new building is going to be ushering into the future of dermatology for Singapore? I think it, it will be, you know, something that is uh, really exciting because, you know, not only do you have, you know, enhanced uh, resources, you know, to provide services, you know, for the clinical services, you know, for the people of uh, Singapore. You know, the other thing is, you know, it will also change the way we uh, deliver our care. You know, so for instance, in the subspecialty clinics, we are going more towards, you know, team-based uh, care. And in the new building, we have looked into how we position, you know, things like interconnecting doors and so on, so that, you, you know, you can have non-medical clinicians like a nurse or a, a pharmacist, you know, I mean, uh, sit in uh, next to the clinician, you know, to provide the care for more complex cases. We will see a new era of care delivery, uh, definitely. And uh, there will also be, you know, opportunities to test out, you know, new models of care. And uh, of which, you know, I think, you know, NSC can take the lead, you know, I mean, in innovating, you know, some of this care. Definitely. And I think NSC is definitely a centre of excellence when it comes to clinical care and delivery. I think that um, part of clinical care is also things like public education, public outreach, product development, stuff like that. Is that going to be something that's going to be also incorporated into the future of NSC? Yeah, we, we do have, you know, a new area that we've never had before, you know, in the new building. And uh, because of increase in space, you know, we, we have actually allocated an area 
called the Patient Education Lounge. And that's going to be an area dedicated to providing educational resources for the patients, for visitors, for people you know, who may have the you know, um, interest you know, to learn more about the skin conditions and how they may you know, cope with the conditions. And uh, that would be where we hope to see you know, how we reach out to our patients and our caregivers and hopefully also a place where you know, various support groups, you know, like the eczema support group, they can use the space you know, to uh, meet and to learn from the clinicians, you know, I mean, how they can manage their, their conditions. Yes, that's, that all sounds very exciting and I really can't wait for next year to move into the new, new building. <laughs> yes. Okay, well, thank you, Prof. And that's all the time we have for today. And thank you so much for making time for this interview. You're most welcome. Okay, thank you. I'll see you Bye. soon. Bye. Bye. <laughs> thank you for joining us on another episode of the official podcast of the WCD. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram at WCD Singapore, and check out the WCD website, wcd2023singapore.org for more updates and content on the WCD. At that website, you can find links to register for the WCD and submit your abstracts for next year's WCD. And until next time, stay safe and use sunblock. <laughs>